The Overwhelm is Optional podcast is for you if you want to quit the struggle with overwhelm, you want to live life to the full, you don't want to compromise your health and relationships in order to have well-paid, satisfying, meaningful work. You want it all on your terms. Hello, how are you? How's your week been? It's cold and rainy here in the UK. Well, I don't know about the rest of the UK. It's cold and rainy here in the southwest of England. And that's a shame because it's mid-May and I was really, really enjoying the warmth and the sunshine. Having said that, though, my garden really needed the rain. So I'm really, really grateful for the rain, but really excited because tomorrow is going to be super sunny and my son's taking me out for the day. And that's just going to be lovely to just have a whole day outside in the sun. Don't you love the sun? We were talking about this inside, get your life back and about how much I think I think probably everybody in there is like, oh, I love the sun. And some of us struggle when it's not sunny. Um, and actually I was thinking about okay so if that's true then how can we make it so that we don't struggle with sunny days so I'm always looking for I mean unless you're going to just move somewhere that's sunny all the time then you've got to make you've got to make the rainy grey days into good days right because we can't just we don't want to lose all the rainy days um and yeah there's a song by the weepies I was made for sunny days which my partner laughingly said, yeah, I think this is about you. Um, And obviously it doesn't just mean sunshine days, it means good days. But I do like that idea that I am really made for the sunshine. And yeah, I'm not so keen on the grey days. But also, though, I've learned to love them. Not as much as the sunny days. And that's okay because I'm definitely made for sunny days. But there is something really nice about... The fact that in England we have a lot of weather, so it never gets boring. There's always some weather. That's why we talk about it so much. But the good thing about a rainy day, not only does it completely nourish my garden, and then especially at this time of year, there's just going to be this mammoth amount of growth. And it's already magical out there. I mean, literally, if I go, I do go out there every day and I wander around my garden and have a little chat with my plants and yet I'm still missing things because it's that magical time of year when things just grow really fast I mean it's just astonishing so after all of this rain and in the middle of the night there was a thunderstorm and there was lightning I liked that that was fun um so it's going to be yeah there's going to be masses of growth my potatoes have gone crazy um everything's growing and it's really really exciting so how am I loving sunny days well I just (laughs) I've purposely looked for anything unexpectedly lovely about them. Have you tried this? I really recommend turning things around um, for things like this. Because to me, it's like, look, either you accept that there's going to be days that aren't sunny or you move somewhere with a climate that's more acceptable to you. So this isn't like I don't believe in accepting things. And this is what this episode is going to be about that aren't good for you you know like a toxic work environment that kind of thing but for things like this this is the weather in this part of the world and I choose to live here so I'm going to embrace it so the some of the unexpectedly lovely things about rain and grey and slight cold when it's when in my in my Heidi world it's supposed to be warm and sunny all the time for me now and I should be reading my book in the garden one of the things is that when I have work to do inside 
actually the sun clashes with that. So a rainy day is a good day for getting stuff done on a laptop. Although another member of Get Your Life Back put this amazing photo in the group about how you can put a box around your laptop so you can work outside. So I'm keen to try that, although we've just burnt all of our boot boxes um, and shoe boxes aren't big enough. So I've got to search for a box for that. But even then, there's something good about for me, I like to go with what's coming up. So if it's a rainy day, it's like, right, this is the day to um, edit my book, especially as I'm, I've noticed I'm avoiding editing my book. I've noticed that. So I'm trying to make that a happier, a happier approach there as well. Um, what else? Um, snuggling up on the settee with my dogs, um, listening to um, some of the things, the nourishing things I have that I want to catch up on that aren't possible to listen to um, on my phone in the garden. So um, there's a few things I've got where there might be videos or something like that, and it doesn't really work in the garden. And also, um, it's not going to work in the garden because I can't see the video. Not that I always need to see it. Often I just listen to video courses. But there are things like that that really are better inside. So anything that's an inside job, like, I don't know, today I've actually really enjoyed cleaning. I know, it's so funny. Can you hear my voice? I'm like, oh, I've really enjoyed cleaning as if this is as if this is a terrible, shameful thing. And I know where that comes from. That comes from growing up in the 70s where the the kind of feminist thing was, you know, women should get out of the house and shouldn't be cleaning and all of this. But actually, when I'm in the mood, I like I really like cleaning and it's a certain kind of cleaning. It's the um, the funny cleaning, the cleaning that doesn't normally get done, the, like the outside of the fridge or a light switch. It's, it's a rare event. But if I'm listening to something, I really enjoy it. I don't care. There's my shameful secret. I sometimes really enjoy cleaning because it's just for me, it's about loving my home. It's like, hmm, hello, house. How are you? And also, you know, all our light switches are new from when we had the rewire and I don't know. There's something nice about appreciating what you have. And I think that's for me, it's like a love affair with the house and with the things that I have. So the fridge is relatively new. So like wiping down the outside, it's like, I love you, fridge. Thank you for working really well. And the dishwasher. I'm still astonished by the whole dishwasher thing. It's it's how old is it? I think it's about six years old, but I'm still like it's still brand new to me because I had this big thing for a long time. I don't like dishwashers. Um, I don't ever want a dishwasher. And then one day I changed my mind and we got one. And now and I'm still since that day, six years ago, I'm still like, oh, my God, dishwashers are amazing. They clean everything for you. And what's more, they're a cupboard to store the dirty dishes in. So to me, I'm still in this magical love of my dishwasher. So occasionally just having this kind of mooching around listening to not probably not a podcast because I can do that outside so this is a rainy day thing so it'll be a YouTube video I wanted to catch up with or a course I want to catch up with something that's nourishing and there's something really nice about you know just loving my house anyway that's the kind of things I'm learning to love about a rainy day what do you love about rainy days um, we'd love to know. We'd love to know inside Get Your Life Back. So if you've got any tips for making the most of rainy days, if you're not really a rainy day person, do email them in to Heidi at HeidiMark.co.uk. 
genuinely, we would love to know. Or DM me on Instagram. Instagram is um, where it's easiest to contact me. Um, all the emails fine, but I've kind of given up all the other platforms because it's just too much, and I just needed to cut down screen time and social media time and just yeah, interacting on Instagram, which is a lot more fun. Anyway, this week's episode. So last week I asked you what do you want, and that was all about daring to connect to the heart. So this was linked to the whole um, Gentle Rebel series of um, a gentle rebel connects to a heart, listens to her body and controls her attention as the tapping into the internal navigation system we have instead of um, over-relying on an already overloaded, distracted mind, even though that's what we're taught to do. So this is the rebellion, isn't it? We're raised to think that the rational mind beats everything else and that following your heart is just dangerous and bonkers. And as for listening to the body, man, you hippie, you. You know, it's just not a done thing. I do think things are changing, but not. it's not particularly mainstream and it sounds quite woo, but I'm having none of that because there's deep wisdom in the body and you need the heart you need the heart to feel joy and love and get more of it and happiness and also to stay focused on what you really want so the heart's great for gradually unearthing your purpose and it doesn't have to be a big purpose just like your purpose for the day or your purpose for sending that email or your purpose for sending that text or your purpose for in my case cleaning the outside of my dishwasher um because when we know what makes us happy, what lights us up, it's just easier to stay focused if you choose that. And that's that's where the morning promise comes in, right? The whole I commit to myself first, to living my life my way. So the gentle rebel way is to rebel against the normal way of doing things, which is overusing the mind, the rational mind, you know, kind of doing like black and white thinking, make up a list. Should I go for this job? Should I buy this house? Should I go out with this person? You know, that doesn't work. We we know that doesn't work because if it worked, then all of the habits we've been taught in order to become successful would have given us what we were expecting to get, which was more choice, more happiness, more ease, um, more love, more freedom, more money, um, just all of the things that, that we were told it was worth working hard for. That would have happened, but it, it doesn't happen because it's a nonsense. It really is a nonsense. We need more and we have more and it's within us and just rebelling gently but firmly and saying, no, actually, I'm not just going to use my mind. I'm going to listen to my heart. It feels scary to start with, but I'm okay with that. It feels scary, but I'm still going to listen. I don't have to do anything with it, but I'm just going to start listening. And it's just a practice. It's just a practice. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so this week I want to link that to what happens when you don't do that. So I'm sharing with you um, a mistake I made. um, Well, a couple of mistakes, but they're the the same mistake while under the influence of overwhelm. So the reason I take overwhelm so seriously is because that switching on of your nervous system into high alert and then it getting stuck in that with the constant bombardment of negative fear-mongering 
um, from external sources like the news. Um, and then also just like you just walk down the road, there's warning signs everywhere. I mean, it's just got crazy. You know, a lot of the um, when you're driving, there's a lot of warning signs. There's just warning signs everywhere. Apple terms and conditions, anything, you know, the, the back of your purchase, you know, you buy some food, there's probably a warning on that. Like there's just warnings everywhere. There's just this constant emergency state being triggered, particularly if you're sensitive to that. And I am sensitive to that. And knowing that about myself means I can protect myself from that. I can notice when that's happening and I can withdraw from that. I'm also um, really good now at being able to um, put up to put up a filter. So, for example, if I want to know what's going on in the crazy news world at the moment, which I I do want to know, but I don't want to be I don't want to feel overwhelmed and disempowered and quite frankly, miserable, because I do not believe that as humans, we are destroying our world. I believe that most humans are um, loving and kind and intelligent and good natured and want to cooperate. I, I think it is wrong that we want to be at war with each other and that we hate each other and that we are destroying of everything. I just it's just I fundamentally believe that is not human nature. And I'm tired of hearing this battle against ourselves. And for me, it's linked to the the whole battle against our bodies. You know, we don't treat our bodies with respect when we overwork and we ignore the, the need for a break or to go to the toilet or to sing and dance and drink water and eat nourishing food. And it's and that whole it's just to me, it's just there's something gone really wrong. And and with the whole how we treat the earth, each other, our bodies, ourselves. And for me, the healing starts when we love ourselves, when we connect to ourselves, when we connect to our bodies and we start treating our bodies um, with the deep reverence that they deserve, because our bodies are incredible, as is the planet, as our animals, as our other people as is the sky, the clean air, the clean water, the nourishing food, all of it. It's just like we live in, we live an astonishing life, but we get stuck in our heads. And then for some reason, there's a whole lot of doom, this layer of doom, which is settling across humanity at the moment. And I, I just strongly believe it's to be resisted because it's not helpful. And one of the ways I deal with that is I have a filter. So I'm aware that I'm sensitive because I want the world to be a good place. Um, and so anything that's that's giving me evidence of the opposite of that i'm going to put a filter over and and just not allow that to affect um my state so that otherwise there's no point me looking at it because if i'm just going to feel miserable and not go and do anything about it well that's just pointless it's absolutely pointless subtly pointless if we all just feel miserable if we all just feel scared what does that do that doesn't do anything well it does it it makes everybody more scared and more miserable that's it's unhelpful it's an unhelpful reaction um so but sending love and believing in the goodness of each other and connecting with each other and treating ourselves with love and respect. And then from that place, we can treat each other with love and respect and kindness. So I've gone on a bit of a rant there, but that's because I feel really passionately that it's it's that we need to understand how our minds work. We need to respect how our minds work and that it's really, really easy to activate 
the human nervous system into fear and anxiety and for it to get stuck there. And from that point, it's really, really difficult to make sensible decisions that are good for anyone. We, we act from an emergency mode, a survival mode, a scarcity mode. We react fast and not necessarily well, rather than pausing and responding. Um, so for me, it's, it's really important to be aware of how the nervous system works, how this state of overwhelm, and I'm talking about a chronic state of overwhelm. I'm not talking about a temporary thing where you're like, oh my God, I really, really need to do this, 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 this. And then when you've done that, you're fine. Obviously, that's not who this podcast is for. I don't even think you would be listening. So let's let's forget that. This, this is serious. And I don't believe everybody knows. You know, I hear people say, oh, I don't get overwhelmed. And I think, well, but you just bet you've just and it's very difficult to say it's about judging. But I've I've had people swear to me they don't get overwhelmed and they are kicking ass at work. But they, to me, it looks like the only way they could do it is from a place of overwhelm. So they may be fine with that. And I think I would I would have been I, that would have been my reaction as well, because I was coping really well. But the point is. Do you want to just cope? <laughs> do you want to do things the hard way or do you want to do things your way? Because that tuning into yourself, that it's a human upgrade to say, right, I get how my mind works. I get that it's susceptible to overwhelm and that's not a good place. That's not where I want to be making decisions from. That's not what I want to be pushing my mind to focus. It's exhausting. It's just not good. There's a better way. I'm going to, to take this gentle rebel way, whatever you want to call it. That's what I call it. Um, and I'm going to learn a better way for me. And I'm going to find out what works for me. That's what the commitment is. And obviously, if you want to do that with support, you know, if you want to be taught how we do that. Um, so I either do that inside Get Your Life Back or with my one to one clients, then obviously, please, please, please reach out, book a discovery call with me. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God, I got off the I got off a discovery call last week and just went, oh, I could do those all day. It's just so joyful to be able to listen. You know, just for me, it's fascinating. I've had a couple of people recently say to me, how do you listen all day to other people and their problems? I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not just listening to problems because I'm not a therapist, but I do listen to problems. But I'm not. To me, it's just this coaching is. It, oh, I can't really explain. I'm not explaining very well because it's not really relevant necessarily to this episode. But for me, it's just joyful because I'm listening and I'm tapping in and I'm like, oh, and I get really, really curious and fascinated. And I'm never like, because to me, a discovery call is that it's a discovery. It's not a sales call. It's not like, oh, can I sell my services to this person? Like, I don't like that. I've had that happen to me enough to just like, this is not right. Um, because because it has to be well, it has to be a two way thing, and I'm really fussy over who I work with. I only work with lovely people, and secondly, it might not be for you. You know, you might you might do the whole discovery call and then go, yeah, I'm okay now, or you know, I don't want to work with Heidi. That's okay, or not yet, or so. There's no selling, and that's what I really like about it. Is it's just it's deep, deep listening, and it's. And my curiosity, I just I so geek out on on hearing you guys talk about your adventures in overwhelm and where you are now. And and what I see and what a good coach should see is all the possibilities that are hidden from you. Um, 
and to be able to guide you gradually to being able to see them for yourself. And that's the thing. Coaching is so empowering because you get to be you get to go on this adventure with your coach and and see the hidden possibilities for you. So I love, love, love coaching. I'm so passionate about it. Anyway, and that part of it is entirely linked to what we're doing today. So what overwhelm does is it hides those hidden possibilities. So making decisions, particularly big decisions from a place of overwhelm without realising it's overwhelm as well, it leads to some interesting mistakes. In my case, maybe you'll find some for yourself. So I'm going to share two, which are the same mistake repeated. And I think that that's quite common. You know, they say don't really like you have to repeat it until you realise and then you get to like move on. I always think it's like a little game. Um, so you keep coming. If you get tired of like, oh, I'm here again. It's so boring. It becomes tedious. It's like, oh, I've been here before. I thought I'd already solved this. And then it's like the same problem comes up in a in a different disguise. And then you're like, oh, my God, I keep doing this. This is ridiculous. And it's at that point that we can choose to go, ah, what do I need to learn? And then you get to go up like a next level in the game if you play computer games, which I don't. But obviously raising two boys who are now men, there was a lot of talk about computer games in our house. So let me share with you the mistakes I made. This is only like I could give you oh, lots of mistakes I made while under the influence of overwhelm. But I'm going to share these ones because these are work ones. And I think um, the most important and pressing ones um, for my clients are work. So um, I had been in one place for quite a long time and I'd had lots of different roles and I thought I was on top of the world and I I really thought I had the best job in the world but the problem the whole time was that although at work I was doing really really well it was costing me it was costing me increasing amounts of the rest of my life in order to prop up myself so I could get through the day so I was having to put on a suit of armor and um going to work was like a theme tune so I could um, kick ass all day and that worked in lots of ways lots of ways and I you know I I'm not going to say it was all terrible or it was all brilliant it was a roller coaster I learned a lot um, in many ways I wish I'd followed my heart and just gone straight into setting up this business because that would have cut out a load of stuff wouldn't it but the I wouldn't be sharing with you any mistakes I made unless I was at peace with them, unless I'd reached that stage because that's too vulnerable and that's that would be me that would feel more like offloading and that's not what this is. This is mistakes that I made that I'm grateful for because I've learned stuff. Does that mean I'm grateful for them as in I don't go, well, Heidi, if you'd be more connected to your heart, then you wouldn't you could have bypassed that. But I don't really I don't really see the point of going through life with regret because that's going to cost me. So I let that go. Come to terms with it. If it comes up again, then there's more stuff to learn. That's OK. But I'm at peace with these decisions anyway. So I got to a stage where and it, it was the year before I was 50. And I think that is probably significant. I think for a lot of people, there are times in our life that just things kind of erupt um and anyway yeah so this was the year before I was 50 and it's like so there's a lot of things here that aren't working for me 
And although I was grateful for a lot of things, I couldn't carry on. I just wasn't prepared. This wasn't happening. There were several things that happened that just were not were not acceptable anymore. So my level of exhaustion, uh, my immune system depletion, i.e. I went from getting flu really badly, like proper two week flu once a year to, t- to twice in a winter, um, which is obviously <laughs> not a good sign. Um, and everybody would go, oh, you just get used to it. And then you just your immune system goes up. But actually, I found that mine was getting worse. And that's stress, right? It's just it's just stress. You don't don't ever really recover. And that kind of flu as well, when you're that run down, it's not just the time that you dare to take off sick because you physically can't can't get out of bed. It's also the recovery time. Um, And that can go on for quite a long time, can't it? I mean, flu is pretty horrid and you know you can feel quite depleted for quite a long time afterwards so yeah that was costing me my health um other things happened physically and for me it's the physical things that in the end alerted me so um it was i started getting unexplained pain which didn't have any like emergency um kind of thing it wasn't like a doctor pain it was just a oh my god (laughs) what is going on this really hurts but there wasn't anything really wrong so like you know I might go for a massage and it would be okay but yeah I was in the end waking up in the night with severe pain all down my left side I mean have mentioned this in previous episodes and it was that 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 started to really tip things for me because I couldn't ignore it so if I could have overridden it Oh, I'd have overridden it because I was determined to make my life work. I mean, the passion and energy I put into making it work is is quite commendable, but also a bit of a shame because um, the more I hacked my productivity, the more work I took on. The more I hacked my sleep, the more work I took on and the more grumpy and impossible I got with anybody who would dare disturb my sleep hygiene because it became so strict everything became so strict in order because I was working at a high if when you're working at high performance I think this is really really common um but anyway several things happened and and I could see in the end things needed to shift and I was on my way out so I was like right I'm not staying in teaching I'm gonna go gradually I'm gonna go out elegantly ha 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 anyway so but I reached a stage in the job I was in where I just couldn't stay. It was there were lots of personal things that built up and it was just there's no way I could stay. Um, and so in this state of utter overwhelm, but not understanding. So if I if I knew then what I knew now, but that's because now I geek out. No, this is why one of the reasons why I take this work so seriously is because I can see the damage it does. So I thought I was making a sensible decision um, and in on paper the decision looked really really sensible so actually I was offered um, and that there wasn't really the, the job wasn't the job might have been advertised but I was already talking to somebody about moving and I was offered the the job description of my dreams absolutely and I was so excited I was like oh my God, this is amazing. So literally I can leave all this crap behind and I can walk into this job with, with um, this was my old mentor who was now um, 
head a department, assistant head at another school. And I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. You know, I was so happy and so excited. And anyway, it didn't work out for lots of reasons, which I'm not going to go into again. But the point is that on paper, with my rational mind, it looked really sensible. But what, in hindsight, and with what I know now, I was running. I was desperate. I was really, really upset. I was in, I was in permanent stress mode. So I was completely overwhelmed. I'd completely knackered my nervous system. So it was in constant high alert. I was very reactive. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't particularly well. Um, I wasn't okay. And emotionally, I was starting to crack. I was, you know, there was a lot of inconvenient tear leakage. I always think that's a a really interesting one. It's like if you're in a position of responsibility um, and you don't want to be vulnerable at work, you're not going to cry at work and you get very good at controlling that. But then when you start to get inconvenient tear leakage, like when you, you lose that control, that's really scary. Maybe you've been there. It's really horrible. But actually, it's a clue like the stress is leaking out. You are under too much stress need to do something about the overwhelm, about the stress. It's a warning. But what do we do? (laughs) Push those tears down, toughen up, because resilience is seen as toughening up, which it really isn't. Um, And we push on through. We find a way to cope. We find a way to allow the tears to come out at more convenient times. But I do think you get to a point, and I'm now grateful for that point, where it just gets impossible. It's like, you know, (laughs) you're just about getting away with it. So just about managing to keep the tears at bay until the end of a meeting and then going into the loo and the tears leak out. You just about manage to get from the loo to your car without anyone seeing that you've been crying. I mean, and then crying all the way home. It was just awful. It's no way to be, is it? It's no way to be. Anyway, from that point, I took a job which didn't work out. And then after a few months of it not working out, I was like, well, I've got to get out of here because this this is not OK. So I applied for another job in somewhere that was supposed to be really good. And I negotiated part time hours. But actually, in hindsight, I should have known because I asked for three days and they said they couldn't do three days, that they could do three and a half over four days, which didn't give me what I wanted. So actually, even on paper there, I wasn't as strict as I should have been. I should have been a lot more strict about it. But it still looked good on paper. I was still like really grateful um, because it where I was moving to tick the box in so many ways. You know, I knew what I was looking for. Um <laughs> so I moved again and that was a complete disaster and I ended up quitting. So that didn't work out. But the point is, on paper, the the decisions I took from a rational point of view made perfect sense. Absolute perfect sense. I was being rational and sensible. But if I um, had the ability to tap into my internal compass that I have now, um, I might still have taken the jobs, but what what I still, might still have made those moves, but I would have made them in a very, very different way. So I would have negotiated and been clearer. I would have had I would have gone in with much, much higher expectations of respect, 
with my non-negotiables really much, much clearer. When I look back, my non-negotiables, which I thought were quite good, were rubbish. They really weren't good enough. And now I just wouldn't even consider, you know, I have such good boundaries now and I know what makes me happy. I know what I need to be physically well and to thrive, to have energy, to think clearly, to not feel overwhelmed. I know what I need. So I know myself. And yeah, I just those things wouldn't happen and they wouldn't happen in that way. So, yeah, they're that moving moving jobs under the influence of overwhelm was just a mistake in the way I did it and and didn't work out in because of the way I did it did not work out because I at the time was actually quite desperate so I thought I had no choice so it's not necessarily the choice it's how I made the choice because when we believe we don't have any choices we lower our expectations we're like well as long as I can get out I'll be okay but when we make decisions out of overwhelm and with that real self-love and respect and that knowing what makes us happy that changes the decision that we make and it changes how we make the decision and how we make the decision is often as important as the decision we make because can we be at peace with it? Are we going into that with with clear goals and with clear expectations and the other people involved understanding what we will put up with and what we want and what we expect? So, yeah, really important. Making making decisions, any decisions, but big decisions like work decisions under the influence of overwhelm, I just think don't do it. That's that's what I would say personally. Obviously, it's up to you. I do not. I'm not here to give you advice and tell you what to do. But how do you know if you're under if you're making a decision under the influence of overwhelm? And I would say the biggest way to know is any time that you feel you either don't have a choice or you have very limited choice. And in particular, um, for my clients, it will be when they think they've only got two choices, when you can only see two choices. And also the belief that there is a right choice and a wrong choice. That's that's definitely to me a sign of overwhelm. It's like if I get it wrong or if I don't take this, I'll miss the opportunity. Um, but that limited, that shutting down of everything. So um, on one of the slides inside one of the modules in Get Your Life Back, there's this um, picture of a tunnel. I think it's probably an old railway tunnel, but it's an arched tunnel and it's obviously dark inside, but there's grass growing over it. It's a, a hill, so it goes through a hill. And at the beginning of Get Your Life Back, when you're really getting to know yourself and, and you know, the first module is all about locating yourself on a map because I've done it like a little adventure game. So it's like, are you in a tunnel? What are your, how do you recognise that you're under, what does a being in a tunnel feel like to you? And it's that, that feeling of, well, I have to go through the tunnel. Like there's no choice. There's no other way. I have to just keep going. There must be light at the end of the tunnel. And then somebody keeps adding tunnels, extensions to your tunnel. And it's like, you never get out of the damn tunnel. By the end of it, we're able to like pan out the, the picture and see that actually the tunnel isn't the only route that that 
when you pull out and you get some perspective and you get some awareness and you get to know yourself and you can recognize, oh, I'm heading towards the tunnel. So what's my alternatives? And in that picture, when you pull out, there's like, oh, well, actually, I could just climb up the side and I could just walk in the sunshine and in the grass on top of the tunnel. I could go. There's like some steps um, that go that way and I could go that way. Or there's even like, oh, there's a little train station. I didn't know there was a train station there. And I could just get a train up there, which is that would be fun. And that would be a lot easier. So, yes, there are there are limitless opportunities for how we approach something but we cannot see them when we're overwhelmed and of course we can't because it's a natural protective thing so when the mind is completely overwhelmed by this fake emergency fake emergency fake and I'm not calling anything in your life a fake emergency lightly but the point is that all of the things that crush us all of the pressure we're under to hold all of these things together they're not actually emergencies as in you're about to be attacked by a bear, but the nervous system behaves as if you are being attacked by a bear. And when that happens, you go into high alert and the prefrontal cortex goes offline, which means you cannot think because you don't want to be examining limitless possibilities when attacked by a bear. You want to make a decision. Really, In fact, you don't even want to make a decision. You just need to react to save your life. So that not being able to think straight, that is a life saving thing to be really grateful for. But it's it's worth practicing, recognizing when you are in that state and deciding to get out of that before making a decision unless it's a life obviously it's a a life-threatening situation like being attacked by a bear which deciding whether to take a job isn't obviously and there are lots and lots of other opportunities you might not want them but knowing that they're there and making a decision from from a place of empowering choice is such a gift and that's what happens when you practice connecting to your heart listening to your body controlling your attention so controlling how much you're overloading your mind with fear and doom from the the news outlets at the moment or from listening to other people's drama or whatever's going on you know whatever's causing your overwhelm whatever is adding to the pressure overloading your mind so just that commitment to ourselves first, really important. When we get, when we start on that path, I commit to myself first, my life, my way. That's a gently rebellious, it's gentle, but it's firm. It's rebellious because it's not what most people are doing. And also it's a gentle rebellion because you don't have to stand up and shout it out. In fact, I recommend not telling anyone because other people will have opinions about it. And while we get to know ourselves and sort out what we want for ourselves, it's really nice to just like do it quietly. Oh, I'm just, nobody knows. But right now I've actually withdrawn my attention from the television or from the room with everybody talking. And I'm actually just listening to my body. I'm actually connecting to my heart. I'm actually noticing how I feel. I've, and you can do the one minute mark, you know, without anyone knowing. You can just send your attention down to your feet, feel your feet on the ground. Maybe allow your belly to soften. Maybe allow the shoulders to move away from the ears. 
just notice in the midst of all the madness going on, notice how you feel completely neutrally. And that's it for this week. So that was um, one of the mistakes I made under the influence of overwhelm um, and how to avoid making the same mistake or maybe you've already done it and you'd like to let me know. I always love hearing about people's adventures in overwhelm and I hope that this episode helps you reframe it, let it go, forgive yourself, move on and know that Oh, that's why it was a little bit trickier than I'd hoped, because I could have made the decision in a better way using the information from my heart and my body and just getting out of overwhelm first. So I hope that's helped and I hope that's made you feel really good, actually, about yourself and decisions you've made under the influence of overwhelm and knowing that you don't have to do it that way. There's an easier way. Okay, have a great week and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If this resonates with you, please use the like, subscribe and share buttons to help other people find their way here too. And please do go to www.heidimark.co.uk forward slash the one minute mark with an E to join my mailing list and receive my free one minute life changing audio practice.